0: Welcome Dr. James Beckett Sports Card Insights. Aftermath perspective on the Huggins & Scott auction that just closed last week. I bid on some items and I did not have the success I wanted. I obviously don't get any special treatment from Huggins & Scott, which is one of my sponsors that you've heard me say many times, but I came in second on some lots and that's only because I did not Make one more bid, which even then, you don't know if you're going to win. But thanks, Huggins & Scott. Thanks, Heritage Auctions. Thanks, uh, Tops Panini, Upper Deck, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So the Huggins & Scott uh, auction, I believe they will be less frequent than some of these others that are going toward once a month because the hobby is so hot. But with Huggins & Scott, they've got uh, their system down and their lots are configured in a different way. I I don't think they would wanna go to monthly auctions. The Every three months that they've done works for them. Again, they're pretty unique in the sense that they do things that some of the other large auction houses don't do. I thought things went a little higher. (laughs) As I said, I, I did not win. And I wanted to win. I guess I didn't want to win bad enough, but everything seemed to go a little bit higher. certainly of the things that I initially had on my watch list. The aftermath, you get to see exactly what your regrets are when the auction is over and you can see what you didn't win and what they went for. Obviously, I wasn't bidding on that many items, but I went to sleep thinking I had won. I woke up and found out that I had not. So I looked at some of the aftermath of it, the top 100 lots by bid count. That's not the same as how many views each lot got, but when I'm looking at an auction catalog and especially online, we can see how many other people are looking at it, you get some perspective. Then when the auction's over, what got a lot of interest, again, the number of bids can also be a function of how low you started it. But the 84-85 Star Basketball Bulls bag, the sealed team bag, with Michael Jordan's XRC rookie had the most bids, and actually it was spirited bidding with 91 bids. I can tell you that I, one of the top 10 most bid on items was one of the items I wanted. And I'm not going to say which one it was, but I did not win. That is a lesson to me. When you're bidding against a whole bunch of other people and not just of viewers, but bidders, you've just got a lot of competition. And so I'm unwilling to, to pay any price for anything, but I'm willing to pay some price for almost everything. I note the second most bid up item was an Archie comic book treasure chest. Okay. The ninth and 10th highest most bids there, one was an 8081 Topps basketball complete set. Just the complete set. It went for 5,300 bucks, 61 bidders. Then the 10th most was the play ball rookie card, Ted Williams, that was signed. Now I wouldn't have minded having either one of those, but the point I want to make is with all those bidders, I'm wondering how many of them physically, visually previewed those lots with the uh, play ball, Williams, rookie card with a lot of provenance and all that stuff. I don't think I would need to be up there in Maryland to look at it. But if I'm bidding on a basketball complete set with a card in there that is the predominant aspect of the value, I would want to see what I was getting there. And the fact that I didn't meant that's not one of the ones I bid on. I think it's hard to know if it's not pre-graded. As I said, the other lot in there, if I really wanted it, I would have gone up there to see. Then the top hundred, the hundredth is, is again, a lot of them were these uh, treasure chest and group lots where they start the bidding low, a lot of spirited bidding. I think it's part of the fun of the auction. The uh, hundredth most bids was 35. So again, spirited bidding, well done Huggins and Scott to provide an auction catalog that a lot of people can be interested in participating. in. The uh, top hundred lots by bid amount, the highest bid item, Well, second was that Star Basketball Bulls bag. Actually, the Fleer rookie, the PSA 9 Mint, actually went for higher, less bids because it had a higher opening. I don't think I want to editorialize right now about the difference in those two cards, but there are way less Star Bulls 101 Michael Jordan XRCs out there, I think, and it's probably tougher to grade as well. I did notice, as I'm pointing out, that the bid amount and the most bids, there's a lot more basketball. I, I think I mentioned in my earlier episode that about 10% of this stuff was basketball for Huggins & Scott, but the basketball that was there was, was good stuff. Certainly way more basketball than what we would have seen two years ago, year and a half ago, and for higher prices. It's only 10% of what Huggins puts into the catalog, but it's a very healthy and active 10%. I would note that the 100th highest Priced item was $4,000, which, again, that could be encouraging or discouraging to you when you're looking for auction houses to participate. For Heritage, in many auctions, their, their average winning bid is higher than Huggins' hundredth. If you're going for super high-end, as I've said, I've got two different auction sponsors. They approach it differently. Between the two of them, I think i got best of both worlds. They're not the only two out there, but they're two that I uh, use. Bid reserves are only three items that didn't make reserves. I'm not a big fan of reserves unless I am the seller. <laughs> if I'm the consigner, I'd like to have the ability to set a reserve if I thought that was in my best interest. I would note that all three that didn't get it were uh, jersey-type items, which is in the eye of the beholder. There's a no-bid lot list that's provided during the auction, not just at the end. I would note, again, when something doesn't get even a bid, it's probably because the minimum bid is, uh, I believe, in many cases set by the consigner, and uh, because Huggins & Scott wouldn't have any interest in setting an artificially high minimum bid, but uh, if the minimum bid is set by the consigner and you don't even get that first person to jump in, that's not a good thing. Uh, Again, I would note sports card insight is that uh, a lot of the ones that don't, their photos, their jerseys, their oddball, their memorabilia, their non-cards, again, what are they in common? Things that don't really have established almanac, standard catalog, price guide. You can get comps for anything or or close comps, but it's a lot of work to do that when something does not have the established value that cards do. So same thing with the lots that got uh, one bid only. Again, that's the ideal situation. I want to find myself in as a bidder. I want to make that first bid and I want everybody else to ignore the lot. That doesn't happen very often to me or to anybody else because if the minimum bid is positioned right, there should be more than one bidder. Just a tip, I'm always going to look at that on the next to last day before the auction ends to see what either has no bids or one bid. If it's one bid, then I'm jumping in and then I'm now the higher bidder. And that first bidder, there are some people who just put the low bids in on you know, a whole bunch of stuff, not really expecting to win very many of them. A lot of this is unusual stuff, no established value. If you're putting in your cards, if you put in a lower minimum, sometimes that'll generate a higher price. But My question to some of you is if you put an item in an auction and it's sold, but it's sold at the minimum, you'd be happy. I guess you'd be happy it sold, but perhaps not that happy that it only sold to one bidder who took that uh, lowest bid. The two bids only, again, I don't mind being the third person in. That means two people. If nobody else bids, if that's the it, right at the deadline, then only two people could go against me in the extended bidding. I've had that happen before. If I'm interested in something, I will, I'll consider that. But it's always good to see what items don't have uh, a lot of interest. The interest Is not expressed in views because there are certain things that are interesting that get a lot of visual views in the catalog, online presentation. But again, a lot of these are just hard to find comps when you've got 2,000 items in your auction catalog and they're all different kinds of things. You don't necessarily want to look up 2,000 things to see what would be a good deal. My watch list. I had to break it down. I think about what, Rich and I compare notes and probably 1% of the items I'm thinking about that's 20. Then I narrow it down. I not really want to bid on that many. As I said, I'm not trying to get new cards, but in the aftermath. I'm looking for regrets and learning experience. I realized I just don't think my bidding strategy was good. Number one, I don't want to bid against passionate other bidders. If it's a conglomerate item lot that lots of people would be interested in, but nobody perhaps would love it. Again, if it's directed toward one team or one player, you could have a a super collector you're bidding against, and and I don't want to bid them up. I don't want to bid against those kind of people. If it's a conglomerate lot, I just thought, it's getting late. I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to put in a max bid. The problem is, if you've been going back and forth with somebody for an hour, and every five minutes they're bumping you, you're bumping them, and it's starting to get up there, and then as soon as I put in my max bid, that was a clue to the other person that as soon as his, and I think it was him, I'm assuming it was him, as soon as he put in his next bid and it came back, then he knew that I had a max bid. That's sort of good, sort of bad. The sort of good thing is he might have given up, but he didn't but then he knew that i was played out because i'm probably not going to do another max bid after he bumps me because i i went to sleep because it was getting late so bad strategy on my part apparently i didn't want to win it bad enough and duly noted i they basically bumped me one more bid and they won And a couple lots i definitely have regret but and that's just part of the hobby experience several of the other lots that i bid on went quite above where i stopped. So that's a good feeling. If I'd previewed more of the lots, would I have one more? Probably, but the fun for me is in the surprise. At the card show, I was thinking, what if I went through this dollar box and pulled out a bunch of cards, and then the the dealer said, oh, th- those weren't for sale, or I mismarked those, that's the $5 box, even though it was really marked as a $1 box that'd be pretty frustrating. So I don't have that kind of frustration. I just think here were opportunities for some lots that I could have won, could have enjoyed, could have been reasonably profitable, and I didn't pull the trigger. So no fault, not blaming Bill Huggins or anybody else. No hard feelings. In fact, good feelings. I'm looking forward to the next catalog and learning from my losses, licking my wounds, and jumping back in for another fun catalog. Again, hardly recommend Heritage as well. They've got a different approach, but Huggins and Scott... Uh, Again, a lot of fun for me. Hope it was fun for those of you who have have tapped into their approach. So, thanks for that uh, quick aftermath episode, and I will be back again tomorrow with another full episode.